a week full of stories coming out revealing the truth, signings and news and rumors, players going up and players that are going down. And sometimes it's not necessarily a bad thing. Coming up all here on the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast, episode 107. Let's go. Welcome in the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kyle Marge, your host. As always, Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. A lot of fun stuff coming up on the show today. And this is going to be good, too, because this is going to be the first time. So last week, I, uh, I broke my laptop. I was carrying it to work. My water bottle broke, and it leaked all through my bag, and it absolutely fried my old one. So I have a new MacBook Air. It's absolutely beautiful. So we'll see how this is going to go, but I like it so far. Uh, Lots of stuff coming in. As I mentioned earlier, uh, also articles involving the Vancouver Canucks. Latest one, they're not winning games because there's one guy in particular that hasn't really gotten going for them. And once that guy goes, the rest of the team will. Talking about Elias Patterson. If you want to go check it out, go to the hockeywriters.ca or hockeywriters.com. Go to the Vancouver Canucks and uh, you'll see that article there. A lot of things to talk about. I know it's been a little bit, but I just want to quickly touch one more time on the Kyle Beach situation with the Chicago Blackhawks and that coming up, the way it lands, what we hope moving forward, stuff like that. Uh, Signings by Morgan Riley, Adam Fox, what they mean for the Leafs and Rangers, Cole Caulfield to Laval, the latest thing on Jack Eichel and Jordan Bennington, I guess. Um, Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but let's kick it off here. And if you didn't hear, by the way, the interview with uh, with Kyle Beach and, uh, and 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 TSN, who actually had Rick Westhead, who was the one who worked tirelessly to eventually break the story. Uh, yeah, I go check it up on our social pages right now. We've got the links in there as well. But he came out as the John Doe, had that very emotional interview shortly after. And then when they won, to see him paraded around lifting the cup at the parade, at the team pictures, at the celebrations. It made me feel like nothing. It made me feel like I didn't exist. It made me feel that I wasn't important. And it made me feel like that he was in the right and I was wrong. And that's also what Doc Gary told me was that it was my fault because I put myself in that situation. And the combination of these and him being paraded around, them letting him take the Stanley Cup to a high school with kids after they knew what had happened. There's no words to describe it, right? Chicago Blackhawks general manager, quote, stepped down from the role. Uh, Stan Bowman resigned or whatever you want to call it. I think they should have like the, the humiliation that Kyle beach went through 11 years of holding this in and Chicago gives Stan Bowman the right to quote, step down to make it easier on him. Like you should say you're fired 
like you're canned, like you are absolutely fired from from this position, from this team. Shortly after as well, Gary Bettman had meetings with the, at the time, head coach of the Florida Panthers, Joel Quenville, and general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Dayoff. After meetings with Quenville, he again, quote, resigned from the position. Florida still went on to win. But the worst part about it was, so all this came out, Bettman had scheduled a meeting. This happened on, this happened last Tuesday. Bettman schedules a meeting with Joel Quenville. Florida has a game that night. Knowingly that he is going to have a meeting with Bettman and probably be told to quote resign, but fired. And he still gets to coach that game. In what world? Who okayed this? Who made that an okay thing? <laughs> Knowingly that you are going, you're, you're going to get canned the next day. That's like an employee doing something horribly wrong, knowing they're going to get fired the next day and still having them come in to do their shift. Like I'd be petrified to see what they would do during that shift. Like what if Quenville went off the rails and exploded the team? I don't know. I don't understand why he's still had coach. I mean, he's been coaching for 11 years since the incident, but regardless, uh, but then the, then the confusing one. Then he goes to Gary Bettman, then goes to Winnipeg, has a meeting with Kevin Dayoff, and I'm fairly certain. But after the investigation came out, it was stated that both Quenville and Dayoff, who said they didn't know about the allegations going on, in fact knew Quenville's gone. Shovel day off stays. Now, he also had, I don't think he really had a meeting with Mark Bergevin, but Mark Bergevin was also a part of the Chicago Blackhawks organization at the time. That one I'm not buying in terms of, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I don't know if Bergevin knew, but then again, look at the nonsense that went on in Montreal this past draft. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. But, you know, it's... If there is a repeated history, but nevertheless, what what happens from here after the Kyle Beach statement, and also players too? And I was talking to uh, I was talking to a, a diehard Blackhawks fan about this, and he was uh, so Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane all spoke out, and basically the way that it went was Taves. <sighs> He, like, kind of apologized, but not really apologized. Said that, like, they're kind of to blame, but at the same time, they're not really to blame. He did the whole vague spiel about how everyone is responsible for their own actions and that we want to move on from this. And uh, he was not put in a good light. He was not put in a good light. And then a lot of people went... When digging online and Patrick Kane came out and saying, said something. And of course, he has a history of police involvements in the past. And uh, yeah, it doesn't look good. They won yesterday. They beat Ottawa 5-1. So, you know, positives. But just frustrating to say the least. 
frustrating might be the, the nice way of putting it, infuriating, disappointing, heartbroken. If you've watched the video, it's uh, it's tough. But I uh, just... Uh, the way that the NHL has handled this has been nothing short of mediocre or disappointing. Like this was 11 years ago. And Rick West had worked his tail off to get this story to where it is today. And it turns out that, you know, the one coach got fired or given the opportunity to resign. The general manager, Stan Bowman, got the opportunity to resign. They're looking into scratching off um, Aldrich's name from the Stanley Cup because he was the video coach of the team at the time. But uh, just a very long process. And you wouldn't, like, I, I don't know. At no point did I feel like the hammer came down. I think the team also got fined like $2 million, which is, it's a National Hockey League team worth billions of dollars. And you find them a couple million dollars. You don't strip them with a cup. You don't strip them of draft picks. Here's to put this in perspective, because I heard this on another podcast. Or no, I saw this on, it was a, it was a tweet actually. And someone said, so hold on. Arizona was accidentally working kids out like upcoming draft picks was working them out beforehand got slapped with a multi-million dollar fine and draft picks were stripped from the team but sexual assault and allegations for 11 years are tied up with the Chicago Blackhawks two gentlemen are allowed to resign and you find them a couple million dollars and they're good to go on their way. Like that's the priority right now or the priorities that are in set right now with the National Hockey League. Anyways, um, it's so big. The story is so massive. You'll see articles everywhere about it. But nevertheless, what happened afterwards, Kevin Sheveldayoff is still a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Stan Bowman is out for Chicago. Joe Quendall is out for Florida. We'll see if they do anything else to help out Kyle Beach in this process, who's playing over in Germany. And this is the other thing, too. Like, when you talk about, like, sometimes players can ruin their own careers based on what they do, organizations can absolutely ruin players' careers. Like, Kyle Beach was a first-round draft pick, like 12th overall or something. Unless you are absolutely a bust, right? Like a Neil Yakupov. But he was given, like, four or five chances in the league. Does anybody know what happened to Kyle Beach after Chicago? Like, do, do, do you know if he went to any other NHL team? Because he's playing in Germany now or some league in Europe. Which is not nearly the equivalent of the NHL. First round picks just don't go there. Like, Alex Galchenyuk, who's a fourth overall pick, is st- he got his second shot in Arizona. He's been on like six teams, seven teams in the NHL. That's the opportunity that normally happens with a player. Not Chicago. Benched after a Stanley Cup win. And then you hardly hear from the guy ever. And this comes up 11 years later.
I just find it very, again, the NHL has kind of been very, very disappointing. But anyways, uh, I, I want to talk about the signings in just a couple of minutes here, but I want to, I want to go to Jack Eichel here. Because there are news and rumors surrounding Jack Eichel that I want to keep going off of here because I there's something that's happening every day. But the last few days we've actually gotten some we've actually gotten some pretty substantial news involving Jack Eichel. So Elliot Friedman came in, and I believe this is on the Jeff Merrick show about Jack Eichel. And I think something happens at least in the next two weeks. Maybe sooner. Jeff uh, um, Jeff Merrick, on the Jeff Merrick show, sorry, Alec Freeman said, quote, there's real work being done to facilitate a trade. I think Buffalo Vegas are talking very seriously. Sounds to me like a lot of the attention is pointing to Vegas. There's a reason to believe it. I was going to talk, this is also part of the news and rumors, but Vegas is missing. Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and now William Carlson is going to be out for the next little bit. I believe four to six weeks. Six weeks with a broken foot. They have no centers. Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Alex Tuck, and now Carlson. All gone. Chandler Stevenson is your only viable top six center who at the at the most, I don't even know it would be a top six center on half the teams in the league. I think that there is someone going somewhere. I think Vegas makes the most sense. The other team that has been talked about is Anaheim. But I think Vegas right now makes the most sense because Vegas is in the position where they have the pieces that they are willing to give up. They did it already. They traded Cody Glass in the Nolan Patrick deal. They've got a couple other youngsters that they've drafted and developed. They've got some picks that they're willing to part with, especially after this year. They want to go for it. There's no goalie controversy anymore. You've signed your defensemen. You've got Petrangelo. You've got Theodore. Stone and Patch ready to come back. This team's going to be good. But I, but I was thinking, part of the deal... Because what now, Buffalo, what they want right now, they want a forward and defenseman. They want draft picks, like at least two, and a prospect. And Vegas goes, okay, we can kind of do that. Like, we give you a defenseman. We'll give you a forward. We can't give him a forward who's hurt. And for the money to work, I thought William Carlson was going to be the one. Because he makes like $6 million. And if Vegas has like 7 or $7.1 million to work with, Combine those, that's 13 million. Jack makes 10. You still got $3 million over. Buffalo gets a player. Right? It made sense. But now I'm, I'm trying to think of how that will work now. And I wonder if this injury now complicates the situation for this trade to happen. The other rumor that was out there is that Vegas is, is, is apparently um, like very positive on the surgery that Jack Eichel actually wants to get and would support him in doing so if the trade were to happen, which is another reason why I think Vegas is the front runner. And it's funny to think that they're the front runner based on everything else. Like they've got their big ticket players already. Like you've got your Petrangelo, you've got your Leonard, you've got your 
Pacioretty and Stone and Tuck and Carlson makes decent money. And now you're going to bring another guy who makes $10 million now who's going to be the highest paid player on the team. And I think it's funny. It's just like in the NFL, the LA Rams just signed Vaughn Miller, traded for Vaughn Miller. And they've got Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and like a lot of really high-end, high-paid players. And they're still finding a way to make it work. And I wonder now, especially with the latest injury to Vegas, that if they go and they're like, listen, we'll pull the trigger. If you can deal with an injury for the time being, we'll pull this off. So that's the latest right now. It changes every day. But for the time being, I I think Vegas is the front. I feel like Calgary is also another team right now that's looking to make the move. They haven't gotten off to the greatest start, though. They've been rolling of late. I think Jacob Markstrom has like three shutouts in his last four games. And Calgary has really improved themselves in the standings right now. But Calgary was another team to be rumored in it. But just going through the standings as I look. Right now, Calgary 6-1-1. One, one. They're rolling. Edmonton 7-1. San Jose's 5-3. Anaheim's 3-4-3. Three, three. Vegas is 4-4. Four four. Kings are 3-5-1. Canucks are 3-5-1, and, and Kraken are 3-6-1. and one. So Calgary's rolling. Edmonton's rolling. Calgary was in on it. But, like, if they're rolling, now do you make that move? So I think Vegas is the team, is the team to look out for and the team that is very much in on it. Okay. Let's move on here to everyone's favorite team, Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Made some big news. They signed Morgan Riley to an eight-year contract extension with an average annual value of $7.5 million a year. $60 million total. Riley has a no-movement clause in the first six years of the deal. The last two years are a 10-team no-trade clause. He's 27 years of age. He's spent his entire career with Toronto. He's a fifth-round pick, or fifth overall pick, sorry, in 2012. He is the longest tenured player on the Leafs roster, and basically this deal means he's probably going to be the Leaf, a Leaf for the rest of his career. Morgan Riley has 309 points in 580 games. He has four assists in eight games um, while averaging over 24 minutes uh, so far this season. He has been a part of a lot of heartbreak. He was a part of the team in 2013 when they lost to Boston and basically the last five years in a row of Boston, Boston, Columbus, you know, Montreal, Washington. But he took a, he took a discount. Now, mind you, at 27 on the open market, I would say he would have gotten anywhere. He would have probably gotten around Dougie Hamilton money. That's my guess. Probably eight and a half, nine million dollars. That's $1.5 million per year. You multiply that by seven, let's say, because that's because you can only sign a seven year deal. 1.5 times seven puts you at about 10. $11 million. Maybe some team offers nine, $9.5 million for Morgan Riley. I don't know. But he left that money on the table for a reason. And it's funny because what's the narrative? The narrative is that the Toronto media is awful. 
It's actually not fun to play there. They don't treat their players well, like the media. The organization does clearly because they have a lot of money. But Riley, when he, t- when he talked about it, said it's a first-class organization. It's felt like home to me. It's where I want to be, right? It's the passion of the fans, passion of everybody. He said, the faith goes both ways. I believe in the group we have here and the people we have in our locker room. I think for the team to offer me that notion of faith is special eight years. I look forward to holding up my end of the bargain of trying to accomplish the ultimate goal. That line right there. I look forward to holding up my end of the bargain of trying to accomplish the ultimate goal. You know what he's saying there? I'm holding myself accountable. This is where I am. This is my expectation. I'm going to do everything I can to hold myself to that standard. You know, there's that stupid narrative. Players don't want to play in Toronto because of the pressure. You are playing the National Hockey League. There's pressure everywhere you go. Everywhere. Is it up a little bit in Toronto? Sure. But you don't think there's pressure in Boston? Boston hasn't won a a championship in 10 years. In Boston, that's like an eternity. And think about all the other teams in Boston that put pressure on you. The Patriots were the dynasty for 20 years, won seven, six, seven championships. The Red Sox made a push this year. They're always pushing. The Celtics are always one of the top eight teams in the NBA. You don't think there's pressure in Boston to play for the Bruins? New York, one of the biggest markets for sports on the planet. You don't think the Islanders right now, yes, the Islanders have been great for the last few years. They've made it to -to back-to-back semifinals or Eastern Conference finals. They've lost both times to Tampa. You don't think they're starting to get a little little worried out there? There's not pressure out there to win? You don't think there's pressure in New York where there is not one but two teams in the NHL and the Rangers are coming in hot? You've got the Giants, the Jets, the Knicks. (laughs) You think that there's not pressure in New York? What about Montreal? They just went to the Stanley Cup friggin' finals and are 2-8. and Cole Caulfield, who we're going to talk about, just got sent down to Laval. You don't think there's pressure? There's not heat on that team right now? And by the way, now that they've gotten off to this awful start and that they suck, now everything I've been saying for weeks, everyone's starting to say, well, they don't have Carey Price, and Philip Deneau actually meant a lot more to this team. I've been saying this for weeks, guys, for weeks. They're missing their three most important players that they jumped on the shoulders on and rode them to the finals. Carey Price, Philip Deneau, Shea Weber. None of them are there. 
You lost a youngster in Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who's gone, who you could really use that depth. And they tried to replace those players with Christian Dvorak and, De- and David Savard and Jake Allen starting more games. I know we started a lot last year. But my, Montreal's getting, like, you don't think there's pressure on Suzuki? He just signed this big contract, and now he's got to take on all the responsibility. There's pressure everywhere you go in this league. There might be less in Arizona, but the pressure is just different. It's not that there isn't pressure. The pressure is different. The pressure on Arizona is if we stop, if we don't, like, if we keep sucking for the next couple of years, we're not going to have a team. It it happened already to Atlanta. They are now in Winnipeg. Like, Seattle has a team. Quebec might have a team. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that the guy wants to be there because he understands that there is pressure everywhere and that there's pressure because people care because they know how good they are. They understand the talent on this team, the fact that guys are making a lot of money, the fact that there are expectations. If there's not expectations, then what are you doing? Because if there's no expectations, there's no reason to go compete every night. You don't expect to make the playoffs. If you don't have a goal making the playoffs, why bother? So Riley left money on the table, and not every Leaf can say that. But Riley, who's the longest tenured Leaf, left money on the table, signed long-term, is locked and loaded. He is a Leaf forever. I think it's a great deal for both teams. It gives Toronto a little leeway. It gives Riley the security blanket of of having eight years. I think everybody goes home happy. I think it's a fantastic deal for both. And congratulations to Morgan on signing it. All right, let's move on from one defenseman to another. And the guy I want to talk about here, Adam Fox. Adam Fox just signed a brand new deal. Seven-year deal to stay with the New York Rangers with an average annual value of $9.5 million. Now, listen, I will say the same thing I said for the Quinn Hughes deal. They, they locked up his twenties. It's the best thing you can do. He is the former Norris. He's the reigning Norris trophy winner. His, his, Numbers are absolutely brilliant. He is an elite two-way talent who has phenomenal hockey IQ. He has incredible impact at both ends of the ice. His war percentage, according to Jay Fresh at Jay Fresh Hockey, is 100%. 98% offensive, 93% defensive, power play, 97%, penalties, 93%. His his goals per 60, um, it's it's... He's it's a fantastic deal for both teams aside here. He's only 23, seven years takes him to 30. Very similarly to Hughes. Now, Hughes is signed for a little less, but Hughes is not as good defensively as Fox is. Now, here's where I'm going to go here. Now, this is wild, by the way. This is... <laughs> if you're a Calgary fan, don't listen. He was drafted 66 overall in 2016. He was traded to Carolina, never signed, 
Then the Rangers acquired him in 2019, and since then he's had 98 points in 134 games. Two points away from, from 100. And again, I love this deal for the Rangers. I love this deal for, for Fox. It buys his entire 20s. He's only going to get better, and the cap's going to go up. His numbers are going to get better. It's a great deal. Here's my concern. It's not with it's not with Fox. It's with the New York Rangers, and I'm typing it in right here because I want to make sure I get it right. The New York Rangers have an abundance of massive, massive contracts on their team. Right now, they have the Artemi Panarin deal, who's $11.64 million. It's a big one. But they got rid of a lot of big contracts as well. Chris Kreider's locked up at $6.5 million a year for the next, for the foreseeable future. Mika Zibinijad's new deal kicks in at $8.5 million for the foreseeable future. Barclay Goodrow is locked in at $3.5 million for the foreseeable future. Jacob Truba is locked in at $8 million until the 2025-26 season. And now Adam Fox is locked in at $9.5 million for the next seven seasons. Igor Shosturkin is also locked in at $5.66 million for the next three years, 2024-25. Here are the players coming up who will need new deals just after this year alone. Samuel Blyce at $1.5 million. Capo Caco at League Mim. In two years, Alexis Lafreniere. Greg McKegg, which is not a big deal. Keandre Miller comes up in a couple years. Niels Lundqvist comes up in a few years. Shesterkin comes up after this year. Julian Gauthier comes up after this year. There is going to be, my thought process is someone's going to have to go. And for me, it's going to be one of Jacob Truba. I think Alexander Gorgiev is already gone. He's going to go. Him and Shesterkin are both 25 years of age. Shesterkin's locked in. Gorgiev's not signed yet. He will go to another team. But I'm looking at, like, one of their younger guys. And yes, Capocacco hasn't really done a whole lot so far in his career, but he's only 20 years of age. Like, you just experienced it with Adam Fox and a team giving up on a player way too early, goes somewhere else and flourishes. Like, Capocacco is 20. Alexis Lafreniere is 20. You don't want to lose a player of that caliber, of that draft capital. Trade him somewhere for like a third or fourth round pick. Maybe you get a second. And then he flourishes in his new environment. There's also talks about moving Ryan Strom, who's UFA after this year. Now, in fairness, right now, their, quote, projected cap space right now is $7.3 million. That's going to go away after next year with the money from Ryan Strom. And Adam Fox is going from nine hundred twenty-five grand this year to nine point five million dollars next year. That's a ten million dollar hit on the cap that they just will need to make space for, and they will because they're the Rangers. They'll figure it out. But I'm curious. You're going to be moving a a a, 
a big name forward at some point. Ryan Strome might have to go. Jacob Truba probably is going to have to go. And who's who's in the market to to acquire an eight million dollar defenseman? It's going to be very interesting to see how the Rangers navigate around this. But this is probably going to be a multitude of moves. And I think it's going to be a goaltender. I think it's going to be possibly a defenseman and a forward. If not, maybe just a forward. That forward is probably going to be Ryan Strom. But then, you know, then you've got to... You've got to see who your second line center is going to be. Because you've got Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Strom, and Philip Hedl. It's a good one, two, three. Do you elevate and put Lafreniere at center? Do you give Hedl the opportunity, who's only 22, by the way? This is a very young team, too. There's not a player on this team over the age of 31. There's not a player on this team over the age of 30. The oldest players are Kreider and Panarin at 30. Next is Patrick Nemeth at 29. Bunch of guys at 28. And a lot of, lot of early to mid-20-year-old guys. I love the Fox move, but it means that other other things are to come. And there'll be some pretty significant names. Ryan Strom's a guy who can put up 50, 60 points in a season. Jacob Trouba is a big shutdown guy. And of course, Alexander Gorgiev is a very solid goaltender who is probably going to be a starting goaltender on his next team. So I am very intrigued to see where that goes. But there, there is some work to do ahead for the New York Rangers. All right, last thing here before we get some other uh, quick other news and rumors and then head on out of here. So Montreal assigned Cole Caulfield to the AHL Laval Club. He's easily the top prospect. The AHL's Laval Rocket, uh, the NHL, or the, the team announced yesterday. Caulfield, who apparently was the consensus Calder Trophy favorite heading into the season has one assist through the first 10 games this year. Now, last year, he was great. He had four goals and assists across 10 games and then had four goals, eight assists, and 20 playoff games. He's a Hobie Baker winner of the NCAA's top division one men's hockey um, played while playing with the University of Wisconsin. They called him up last year in his debut and you know, things have gotten a little different this year. And subsequently, it has to do with the lack of protection and the exposure of now some players are out. You need to step up and have a bigger role. And right now, he's not ready for it. Montreal fans, this is not the end of the world. Yeah, You got to go back. And yes, Nick Suzuki is doing very well, despite the fact that he was forced into the NHL at a very young age. But Montreal doesn't have exactly the best track record for developing young players. For example, Mikhail Sergachev. Right? They were kind of developing him, but they were rushing him into the team. Then they moved him to Tampa Bay. And what does Tampa Bay do? Make him an absolute stud of a defenseman and a fixture in a top four. And they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. Who did they get in return? Jonathan Drouin. Young, very high-skilled winger. He's disappointed. And yes, he took a leave of absence to deal with his mental health and and all that. But I'm talking before then and after. He has not lived up to the billing of the high pick that he was selected by Tampa with. Tampa realized the problem, 
figured they weren't going to be able to do a whole lot about it. It was going to be a lot of money and resources to try and develop him. They made the move. Montreal was there. They took on a guy who was willing to work. It's worked out for them. Max Domi. Montreal brought him over. Brought him over from Arizona, which was also a very bad developmental program. They didn't do a whole lot better. They moved him. Yes, Barry Cockney drafted him, kind of developed him, scratched him in the playoffs, scored game-winning goals in overtime. That was a Carolina thriving. They're eight and zero. He's got like three or four goals this year already. Give your development program a shot to work with this kid for an extended period of time. He is twenty years of age. Not everyone is Connor McDavid. Not everyone is Austin Matthews. Not everyone is Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin. These kids aren't just going to walk into the NHL and score 40 to 50 goals and have 70, 80 points in year one. It just doesn't happen. Cole Caulfield is going to be a great goal scorer in this league. You cannot ask that of a 20-year-old kid. He is not the generational talent of McDavid, of Matthews, of Ovechkin, of Crosby. And that's fine. It's not a slight. These players are generational. They are going to be some of the greatest players to have ever played this game. Ryan Whitney on the Spit and Chicklets podcast said Connor McDavid is the greatest player of hockey who he's ever witnessed play. I botched that wording, but you know what I mean. He said he's the best hockey player he's ever watched take the ice. So I don't care about stats. I don't care about accomplishments, any of that. He is just, when you watch him physically, he is the best hockey player he's ever watched play hockey. Like there is a realistic shot. What did he do last night? I'm going to look at his stats. What did he do last night? Like, there is a realistic shot this dude puts up 170, 180 points this year. So far, him and Dreisaitl through eight games each have 17 points. Like, they they are both going to put up an absolute guaranteed 150-plus points this year. Bonafide lock-in. Nugent Hopkins has 11. Puyarvi is 9. Hyman is 8. They're rolling right now. I was dead wrong about this team. Evan Bouchard has been great as a rookie. Barry's doing well. Cody Cece looks good there. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But like McDavid, even Drysaddle took time to develop. He didn't just waltz in a league year one. Like he took a couple years. It's fine. For Caulfield to spend the year this year in Laval. Get your confidence up. Work on some things while also lighting it up that you would not be able to work on in the NHL because you are relegated to one role and one role specifically. And then you also can't handle the responsibilities of dealing with grown-ass men. This is a good thing, Montreal. You drafted him two years ago, 15th overall. Let him sit. Let him develop. Guys like Claude Giroux and 
if, and, and Sebastian Aho drafts a little bit later. They're not the they're not top five picks. Even Andre Svechnikov for the for the Carolina Hurricanes wasn't lighting it up. He wasn't scoring forty goals year one. I think he had like forty or forty five points. It takes time. Let him develop. The team's not going to be good this year. I said it from the beginning. I said a team that I think is going to disappoint is Montreal, and I gave you the exact reasons why. No Price, no Deneau, no Cockney no Weber. Added responsibility to the young players who were protected because of those four guys. Like it, This doesn't shock me. It's shocking some people. It doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me that they're not good this year. That they're getting outshot. They're getting outplayed. They've got some guys there. They got Josh Anderson. Got Brendan Gallagher. You have a youngster in Alexander Romanoff. You got Suzuki. You got Dvorak. You got Juruan. There's players there. I just didn't think they were going to be great this year. Because their most impactful players are gone. There's a good thing, Montreal. Let it happen. Let it sit. Take the high draft pick this year. There's a future with this team. Don't worry. There's a future here. All right, let's get to some news and rumors before we head on out of here. Last night, Ryan Getzlaff cemented himself into the Anaheim Ducks record books forever. He had an assist against the Montreal Canadiens, who, by the way, lost last night 4-2 to the Ducks. Or sorry, on Sunday, Getzlaff officially passed Timu Solani as the franchise's all-time leading scorer. The point was Getzlaff's 989th of his career. He is now 11 shy of the 1,000-point mark. Congratulations, Ryan Getzlaff. What an accomplishment. The Ducks are an incredibly fun team to watch. If you're trying to root for a team you don't know who to root for, you want to watch some other hockey... I highly recommend going and watching the Ducks. They are a fun team. They've got some youngsters. Zegris, Troy Terry, Gibson, Sick and Net. They're a good team. I'd go watch them. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning superstar Nikita Kucherov. Probably heard this story before. We'll miss eight to ten weeks after undergoing surgery today on an unspecified lower body injury. Sorry, this was a week ago. Uh, the team announced um, last Wednesday. Kucherov has not played since suffering an injury in Tampa Bay's third game of the season, and the Lightning reporting reportedly placed him on long-term IR earlier this month. It's a different year. They've made the playoffs without him before. They're doing pretty well this year. It's not a guarantee, though. Other teams could pick it up, but Tampa is probably going to have to play the majority of the rest of the regular season without one of the highest point-getting players. It's so funny. He's an absolute force in the playoffs. Like, he can take an absolute beating. Regular season comes, and he takes a hit, and he's down. And I'm not, I'm not knocking him by any means. I just, I feel for the guy. I really do. Uh, updated news on Jack Hughes with the New Jersey Devils is set to be reevaluated in the next five weeks after suffering an injury earlier on last week. Uh, based on how he progresses, any adjustments in the timeline will be made accordingly. But uh, yeah, Jack Hughes is going to be not a part of the New Jersey Devils for the next five weeks or so. Uh, tough news for them. Uh, really one of their, their bright spots and their future players on this team. So tough, uh, tough news over there. We mentioned earlier William Carlson out roughly six weeks with a broken foot. 
he will, uh, you know, he'll be dearly missed by uh, by Vegas, who's really hurting up the middle. Hab Cedric Paquette suspended two games for boarding uh, Ducks forward Trevor Zegers on Sunday, kind of hit him high in the head, and uh, suspended two games for that hit. Some other players on the COVID list. Sharks' Kevin LeBanc has been added to the COVID list. Uh, this was uh, earlier on yesterday. A lot of players are kind of just going in and out, going through the protocol. It's, it's going to be the, the norm for every team. Uh, players are just going to be added to it, removed from it a couple days later. It's happened with almost every team at this point. Some teams have gotten hit a little bit harder, but teams are doing everything they can to keep their players safe and uh, back on their team within the next couple days afterwards. All right, I think that about wraps it up for today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to give me a review on Apple Podcasts or go uh, give me a like on Spotify and um, and Google Podcasts. Instagram and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcasts and more articles like I mentioned earlier for the uh, for the hockey writers. I am also in year three of Movember. If you want to go to my page, I'll also share it in the link, but it is uh, movember.ca. Uh, just go under Kyle Grimard. I'll share the page on everything, but... Trying to hit a target goal this year of like 500 bucks. Last year, I raised almost 400. I've raised almost $800 since 2019. I want to hit that $500 mark, but uh, it'll be nice because hopefully I'll get to that $1,000 total mark, which will be really great. But if you can donate 5, 10, 50, whatever you can, uh, it would be greatly appreciated for um, all in support of uh, men's uh, mental health, mental health and suicide prevention. Kind of those are my areas that I'm really focusing on, especially what's happened over the last two years. Um, I have had my moments where I have really just been down and struggled and overwhelmed. And, you know, they're moments for me, which I'm very fortunate to say. I know a lot of other people go through this on a daily basis and struggle with it consistently. Uh, some of us are a little bit more lucky and only have little blips and little moments, but, um, you know, if, if you would like to go support it, it'll be up on uh, on the Instagram and Twitter pages for uh, my motivation for Movember. I'll update you on the pictures and everything as well. But uh, if you could donate, whatever you can, it would be greatly appreciated. Enjoy the rest of the week. Stay safe. Enjoy some hockey. And I'll see you next time. Until then, that's a wrap. <laughs>